Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Hello, lovelies. So today's episode is different because its mere existence is because someone requested it specifically. A listener of the podcast wanted to hear an episode on this specific topic. So if you too are listening to the podcast and you something crosses your mind and you'd like to hear an episode on it and you scroll through and you can't find one yet, then consider joining Patreon. Patreon is this like online platform that allows for people who are fans of stuff like this podcast to contribute monetarily and um, just as a gratitude to you for being so supportive of me, I would love to hear some of your requests for a podcast episode or um, even just shout out and say, hey, you, you're special. Thank you. So that's kind of where all of this comes from and how you can also get involved. But today's all about this specific person's request. So we're going to go into that. I'm not going to read the message specifically, but the gist of it is around the idea of codependency in and separation anxiety in a relationship. So this person is in a relationship that does involve their partner being away for long periods of time. And so I'm going to zoom out of their story for a second and make this generally applicable to people with similar stories. So maybe you're in a relationship and your partner's job takes them away for weeks at a time or months at a time, whether that's military or maybe they just have frequent travel road trips. So three to four days at a time, every other week, anything like that. And that can be hard. That can be really hard. I do want to offer an alternate perspective away from labels though. So (laughs) labels are super duper popular right now in the social media slash everyone self-diagnosing sphere, which I do think labels can be helpful for understanding phenomena. Obviously, I am a therapist, so there are times where we do need to use diagnoses and things like that to best treat and help folks. But just for a second, with codependency, I want to give it some color, give it some shape, right? If you and your partner equally have a high level or desire for contact and being together and being in the same space and talking frequently and X, Y, Z, however that looks, then at that point, I mean, what, what's the problem? If you two are Gucci, if you're good, if no one's being hurt or harmed, if no one is in distress, if no one is disliking what's happening or feeling just like, ugh, then you're good, you're happy, you're, you're chilling. There are other couples where both of them prefer a little bit less contact with each other, so they don't need to go out on... Um, frequent date nights or they don't need to hang out 
together talking every night, but they still feel fulfilled and seen and known and loved in their relationship. Some folks even have long-distance marriages and they're chilling. And that's fine for them if neither of them is distressed or suppressing needs and desires or anything like that. I'm happy for them. When we get into this concept of codependency and separation anxiety, there are a lot of different shapes and forms this can take. True codependency, well, way, way, way back in the day, it had more to do with the presence of addiction in a relationship and one partner enabling behaviors that were unhealthy while the other partner just, you know, continued on in the addiction. These days we use it to refer to an inability to basically live and breathe in your own air, right? So you must inhale the oxygen from your partner. You must be up on their skin at all times. And here's here's the kicker. If you aren't close to them in that way, you start to freak the F out. It's like alarm bells go off in your body or you're so preoccupied with thinking about what are they doing? What are they thinking? What are they going to do? When are they coming back? That it's like you can't have a life. You can't breathe again until you know everything's okay. That thing, that thing is what we're going to tackle today because ideally we would have a sense of interdependency if you've heard that word before where um, it's, it's very closely related to secure attachment, but where I see you, I know you, I love you, I know you care for me, I enjoy being with you, and I enjoy space at times because I am also a flower blooming of my own accord. It's both, it's balance. That balance looks different for different people. If you have a high need for quality time, then maybe your version of that that kind of security involves a little bit more contact. But yeah, it, there's so much nuance within this. So when it does get to a place where separation anxiety is present, that means when my partner moves away from me, I freak out. Let's talk about where that can come from first so that we can then look at how do we help it. So where does separation anxiety come from? So many places, dear. It can come from your family, right? Your family of origin. Before you even met your partner, something about the way everyone was moving and acting just was off. And so whenever your your attachment person, whenever your figure of love is takes a step away, you feel scared that they're never going to come back, that they're going to abandon you, something like that. And that could be because a parent, like if one day your, your mom just packed up her bags, didn't say anything, and since age 13, you've never seen your mom again, well, yeah, you're going to have some separation anxiety probably, or be so emotionally disconnected that you're trying to protect yourself from feeling that. If you had um, instance like a traumatic death that happened, um, if you had uh, just... Any situation out of your control where someone you are bonded with just like poofed, then yeah, you might feel a bit of separation anxiety. When you are in relationship with your partner 
and you specifically feel separation and anxiety with them. Sometimes that's because of a trauma, and I should probably do a whole episode on what I mean by that word, but a relational fracture that happened, whether that be infidelity, like heck yeah, if you learned your partner was cheating on you, you're gonna have some form of separation anxiety when they're like, oh, going to the gas station, are you? Are you going to the gas station? So that logically would then make sense to feel that way. Um, But separation anxiety that comes from your partner's career or profession or something about the structure of... And this is where it, it kind of branches off from the person's request who asked. And like I said, I'm not... This isn't therapy. This is a podcast. This isn't therapy. So... There's so much nuance that exists within our individual stories that I can't and will not address in a one directional platform like this. So please just take this as a a wider brush stroke. But there's a difference between separation anxiety existed before this relationship and then it was just flared up within the relationship versus... I was mostly chilling, everything was good, and something about this relationship has now created separation anxiety that didn't exist before. So, now we're moving to how, what do we do, what happens next? Well, you figure out where it's coming from. (laughs) If your partner goes away for, you know, four days at a time, and, and also, please understand, I am speaking to established couples, so not new-ish dating, still figuring each other out. I'm not talking to you for this time. <laughs> but if your partner goes away for four days, they just, they're ghost. They, they don't talk to you. They don't respond to your messages. They um, are short, and they're not kind of, it's almost like they take a break away from the relationship then okay, now we have a conversation that we need to have because something about y'all's dynamic is making this more possible for anxiety to grow and fester and boil and get all in your body. It's not realistic to say, oh, you should just be perfectly fine no matter what. You should have no feelings about anything. I do believe in Well, our clinical word is differentiation, but I do believe in the idea of being anchored in who you want to be, learning how to self-soothe and all of that. But the whole point of interdependence is that you do care. We're not trying to get to a place of, I don't give an F, do what you want, move how you want, I'm going to do me. We're trying to get to a place where I very much do care. I love you. This is why I'm in a relationship with you. I don't necessarily want you to be away and break our connection I want to be in connection while also managing my own stuff so if your partner is not communicating with you then we need to talk about that you and your partner on the other hand if you are feeling some kind of um If you have a mental health condition that already has your brain wired and skewed towards anxiety, I guess I should have mentioned that earlier, then 
yeah, that's going to make this a little bit challenging. And you're just going to have different needs, right? Because if your mind is wired towards obsessive compulsive disorder or um, panic disorder or social anxiety, any of the anxiety disorders, then already we're working with our brain making up a lot of extra information or filtering events through like a a little bit of a, a muddy filter when it comes to what it means for your partner to be away. And at that point, there's two levels of what needs to be addressed. One is the filter you have, which is, you guessed it, therapy time. And then the other one is your partner's actual actions. Because it could be that your partner is staying connected and informing you of what's up and um, being in relationship with you, but because of your filter, either because of mental health slash anxiety wiring or past trauma or whatever, because of your filter, it almost doesn't even matter what they do because we're still going to skew it or we're going to feel it skewed towards the negative. So if that's the case for you, definitely let's see about some either couples counseling or individual counseling with someone who does understand how anxiety impacts relational dynamics. We don't want someone who's just gonna be a yes man and like, everything you say is correct. Um, As much as I would like to say that, (laughs) all therapists are skilled at doing this, that's not exactly true. So you want someone who understands how anxiety works and will be able to help call you out on some of the stuff and use evidence-based approaches to help decrease the way that that filter impacts your perception of everything. Another question or perspective I've had, I would have in order to get closer to the how to help would be, what are you doing in the time and space where your partner is away? If your partner has a career that is just, it is what it is, they're, they're going to be away quite a bit, or maybe you are long distance right now so there's inherently long periods of time where you're not in the same space what are you filling that time with i can tell you right now preoccupation and silence are just not are not our friends (laughs) in this regard if you're sitting down thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about um what they're doing why they're not contacting you then this is going to flare up separation anxiety and it does tend to play a little bit more into codependency because now you are sitting by that phone in your hand and you're watching and if the phone's not ringing then your anxiety is flared up because of that if the phone is ringing then now we're having a conversation but it's it's like you can't have a life outside of the next conversation that you're potentially gonna have so pay attention to that preoccupation the other end was silence. Um, I, I really do get that's for some people, silence and meditation and all that is very helpful. But for others, that allows a little bit too much space for your mind to go wild. And if you are that person, then how can we create a really rich and meaningful life or structure your life in such a way that it's starves out or blocks the usual pathways where your mind would start to just get obsessive. So structure basically is the word I'm saying. If you know that 
you get really lonely at nighttime when your partner's not there and that your bed next to you. Okay, yeah, makes sense. We're not trying to get you to a place where you're perfectly fine with your partner not in bed with you. Sleeping with your partner is such a deeply co-regulating experience, or it can be, where you just feel safe and calm or it just feels normal. So it's okay to miss them in bed with you. But if that's your time where you feel a little bit, then okay, do we sleep over at a friend's house for the days that your partner's going to be away? Or do we maybe use like, um, maybe there's a TV show that you want to watch to wind down on those days where you don't have your partner, or maybe you want to, (laughs) I'll always suggest journaling because I love journaling, but if not that, maybe it's, um, ooh, a bath or playing music in the house so it doesn't sound so quiet or um, using that time to uh, research something that's interesting to you i don't know float your boat however you'd like but pay attention to what your trigger areas are where you just inherently are a little bit more anxious or focused on your partner being away and then see how you can fill that with something meaningful It's not distracting because we're not trying to say um, ignore your feelings, but it is saying, okay, is it helpful right now to hyper-focus on something that just is a fixed reality? Your partner is away. Okay, if it's not helpful, how can we create a life that just fills that space so that when your partner is able to talk on the phone or text or... um, FaceTime, or whenever they come back, you can enjoy the relationship first for what it is versus then having that space being filled with the overflow of your anxiety where you're just asking for reassurance on all the things that you were thinking about by yourself. Ooh, but let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about that texting. For some folks, texting throughout the day is a helpful way and a reassuring way to just keep that relationship by blossoming. And this is where nuance comes in again. I don't think this is one size fits all. Some folks can do that just perfectly fine without having any like super mental attachments to it. But for others, especially for people who do lean towards codependency, That can be something where if you are too focused on the next text message you're going to receive or the next phone call, you're missing out on your life. You're not making eye contact with people that you're talking to. You're not focused on hanging out with friends or building friendships or um, just the everyday mindfulness of not paying attention to that brick phone thing. So... If you know that you become, your world becomes consumed with thinking about missing your partner, think about how some of these strategies or tips can help you. But revisiting what I said earlier, if the anxiety exists for a cause that's related to a break in your relationship, a break in the trust or the connection or like your partner is demonstrating traits of just not being on the same team with you, then we've got to have a conversation with them. How would you two as a couple like to handle those times where you are 
in different places. What would be the best strategy for you two together? Is it nightly call video calls? Is it um, email check-ins once a day just to kind of update on the day? Is it getting an app like Marco Polo so you can leave video messages for each other? Or is it because of a recent infidelity in an affair and so there has to be like therapy and counseling needs to be part of your action plan because you can't do it alone because there's a lot going on. It depends. Depends on you and your partner. But best strategy is to start internally. Start thinking about ways that you can better self-soothe, ways that you can make sure you're not just leaving a lot of time and space to be thinking and thinking and thinking, ways that you can structure your life so that you have other things you enjoy. Yes, we like our partner so, so, so much, but we also like some other stuff as well. You start with us. And if we do have, you know, mental health stuff going on, then we make sure we get the help we need to take that filter off of what's happening. And then we communicate, we communicate with our partner in a way that suits our relational needs. So I hope that is helpful. Um, mm, one last thing before I dip out. Protest behaviors, self-sabotaging behaviors. Let's talk about that because we actually need to be very accountable for those. If you feel yourself getting into such an anxious state, that you start acting out and acting out can look like you um, blowing up your partner's phone until they respond, you giving them the silent treatment when they finally do talk to you because you want them to know how angry you are, you saying passive aggressive little comments, any of that brand of stuff. If you are doing that, it is not helping. It's not going to help. And it's going to, if anything, create a nice little self-fulfilling prophecy feedback loop thing. It gets really icky really fast. I understand why you're doing it. I understand that these feelings in your body are humongous. And it feels like the only thing that's going to make it better is to hear your partner's voice, to be in their arms, to be back together with them. I get that. And this strategy will not get you what you want. Being mean or nasty, even if it's in a little bit of a joking way, or getting controlling, forcing your partner to spend hours on the phone with you explaining why everything's okay and if everything's going to be okay. It might help or feel better in a little bit, but long run, it's not. And you know it's not because you're here listening to this, still trying to figure out how to change it, right? That's okay. That, I would say, is a great place, again, for therapy, but maybe even therapy at an individual level so that you and your therapist can start unloading and unpacking a lot of the really big stuff that needs to be addressed but would maybe be unhelpful to talk through with your partner or would be just something that like they've heard this a jillion times before you just need help with a therapist to like break that pattern okay 
So if you know that you use some of those strategies to get your partner's attention, that is a really good first place to start and see if we can stop using some of those and replace them with some of what we talked about today in the podcast. Okay? Step by step. This is a process. It's not going to be fixed overnight. But it can be changed. So let's work on it. Very, very, very nice. I hope you got something out of this episode, even if you are not in that specific situation because this these tools and these strategies and this mindset can be applied to a lot of things so if you would also like to request a a topic or if you have a question that um you just like a little bit of direction on awesome sauce head over to patreon the link will be in my show notes and so you can join you can contribute to help support the ongoing flow of the podcast And yes, also get some of those um, questions or thoughts, get them some attention as well. So thank you for being part of this and listening too. Even if um, your contribution is that you simply listen and take it and bring it into your everyday life. Oh, yes. Thank you for that. You're making this world a better place in your community and the way that you love and treat your partner and your friends. So that absolutely counts. But if you'd like to work with me one-on-one, that is also an option and the link is in the show notes. In all of this, you know what my heart is for you. I hope and desire that you will create relationships where you feel fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. We'll talk soon.